0: I am beginning to get a complex now. I understand that Paul is teaching Colossians in his class. (laughs) Janelle is taking Colossians in her school. And I have no fear, absolutely no fear, that you're hearing what you have already studied. The reason I'm saying that is because God's Word is so rich that we can look at a little word like soul and preach a sermon on it. More than one person could do that. And when you get to Colossians, I'll tell you why this book was chosen. It was chosen because we're living in a day when the person of Jesus Christ has come on the great, 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 I, I want to say, even from within part of the evangelical body, the person of Jesus Christ is becoming under question. He is not seen as the Bible portrays him. And this is what was happening in the day when Paul wrote the letter to the Colossians. There were people coming in and they were saying that Jesus Christ is okay, but that he is not really the center of of the Christian church. What what you need is to have him propped up with other things like human philosophies and angels and, and the likes. And Paul in prison is writing now and what he wants the people to understand that Jesus Christ is so sufficient that there's absolutely, for time and eternity, there's absolutely no need to add anything to who Jesus is. And he will begin dealing with creation. And Then he will talk about the church, and we'll make our way through that. T.S. Eliot said this, Wherein is the life we have lost in living? Where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? Where is the knowledge we have lost in information? The cycles of heaven in 21 centuries bring us farther from God and nearer to dust. <laughs> as as, as we, we get to the place where God is no longer relevant to our culture, to our society... That very absence of God is leading us to the place of getting ready to die. To the place where, I, for a few minutes this morning, turned my laptop on, getting some Canadian news, and, and there are doctors now who are training doctors how to assist people to take their own lives. The culture of death is now a part of the culture of our countries. And the problem is, one of the reasons... One of the many reasons that people in that situation where we plan our death is because we believe there's no one to be met after death. If we get rid of God while we're living, then we can get rid of God so that we don't have to worry about facing God later on. And Paul is saying something. If we can look at the creation in which we live, and it does absolutely nothing for our thinking about eternity, something is wrong with our minds. Listen to how he begins the text from Romans chapter Romans, Colossians chapter one. I told you I was having a complex. I'm talking about Romans, so I didn't Colossians. Verse sixteen. For by him, all things were created. Both in heavens and on the earth. Things visible, things invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. All things have been created through him. Talking about Jesus. And all things have been created for him or unto him. Therefore, the title for the message this morning, The Why of Existence. The Why of Existence. I'll be brief with my thoughts this morning because I'm going to go through some of these later on because the text will go through them. But what this text tells us, first of all, it deals with the source of creation. The source of creation. By Him. He was the agent of, By which creation came into being. But as I studied this text along with other texts that speaks about creation, there's something that is most intriguing about it. Listen, here's the intrigue of the whole process. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created. In Job chapter 33 verse 4, the Spirit created. And then in John chapter 1, verse 3, all things were created by him, about Jesus. And what this text has, here's the intrigue, that the creation was the mind of the total person and personality of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit brought into existence the creation we see. And what is most amazing about this, In Genesis chapter 1, where we read, In the beginning God, the word God there is Elohim, E-L-O-H-I-M. The suffix deals with the plurality of the word. So when you read a plural noun in Hebrew, it will have the suffix H-I-M, or I-M. So when we read Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning, Elohim created. Just exactly what the rest of the text says. How this was done, my friends, is how I have put it. God the Father is the designer. God the Son is the agent. And God the Holy Spirit is the energizer. Here's the intrigue of creation. Naturalism believes that creation is just there. Evolution looks back to some first cause thing that came from nothing. Our text is different because we believe that if you go back as far as you are able to go, you will end up at a person, not a thing. You will not end up with nothing. You will end up with a person. And this person is someone of magnificence the father the son the holy spirit we cannot begin to grasp that truth but there is there is more there is more not only do we have the intrigue of the process we we have what i call my friends the ingredients of the process are the ingredients of the creation the word created in the hebrew is bara Referring to to what. In the Greek, the word is kitzil. And listen, when you study that word, it takes you not only to what was done, but who did it. So we read, by him, by Jesus. So, Genesis chapter 1 tells us of creation coming into existence. Colossians chapter 1 tells us who of the, the persons of the Trinity brought it into existence. And listen is what we read. All things came into existence through Him. In other words, nothing existed before what came into existence. Romans chapter 4 verse 17. God... Calls into being that which does not exist. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. What is seen was made out of things which did not exist. Dr. Francis Schaeffer, who's had a profound influence on in my life in his writings, said this. Because he is infinite, he originally created out of nothing, ex nihilo. There was no mass, no energy, no particles before he created. We work through the manifestation of our fingers. He, in contrast, created merely, as it says in the passage we have just quoted in Hebrews 11.3, by his word. Nothing existed. And so in the Trinity, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the mystery of creation, what we see in creation, what we see in the universe, came out of the design in their own minds, not using something that already existed to make it, but bringing it out of nothing. So what did God use to make creation? I am here because my father and my mother came together in loving matrimony and created me. They didn't create me, they formed me. (laughs) Man can form because man has to use what already is there. Only God can create because he can bring into existence out of nothing. That's that's the intrigue. The ingredients is, is absolutely nothing. There was a time when you did not exist. There was a time when I did not exist. It took, as I've already said, the way in which God did it so that I came into existence through what was already my mother and my father, but the universe in which you and I live in, the earth upon which we live. And please don't ask me to explain everything I thought of this in dealing with the earthquakes. The only thing, the only answer I have for earthquakes and things, my friends, is that sin has affected creation. Sin has affected creation. God made a world that was was absolutely perfect and beautiful, and he said, if you sin, Adam and Eve, this is what's going to happen to the universe, and they sin, and it is happening to the universe. So here, all things were made by him. And ladies and gentlemen all things includes you all things includes me Psalm 90 says 95 we did not make ourselves Psalm 139 says even before there was our existence God had in mind what he had in mind for you and for me before you were created In other words my friends you are no accident God had a design for you before there was even the first particle of you. God had in mind what He had in mind for you. I've often thought of it. When I became a pastor, my mother shared something with me which I didn't know that my great grandfather was a minister. I had no idea of that. I don't know in what context. And then I became a minister. And my son is becoming one. And what I'm saying, my friends, is that I could never have envisioned when that boy was born, number one, that he be living in Seattle. (laughs) Number two, that I be living in Oregon. But before that ever happened it was absolutely conclusive in the mind of God. So that when it begins to unfold, you begin to have a sense of wonder. Because if God is able, before we were even born, to have a plan for our lives, then, my friends, we can live life with a purpose. Without that, you know, I... I have no idea of bringing Prince into the message. (laughs) But what a tragedy. What a tragedy to live a life of hopelessness, living day by day, hoping that I'll be as popular tomorrow as I was yesterday. And I enjoy the moment. And uh, there was a piece on the the television about him this morning. And what caught my attention was that he has built a, a huge, huge mansion in Minnesota. place place cost, cost $10 million. And he curtained it off. And only a few people were able to go and see what was inside there. Listen to what we have been, we have been, we have been born again to an inheritance that is waiting for us in heaven. God says, I have something planned for you. Begin to enjoy it here in hope of that because nobody can take it away from you. It's yours if you belong to Jesus Christ. Well, there is more. Let me suggest to you the scope of creation. The scope of creation. Look at the little word all. All things were created by him. This little word, all, is used about six times in this section. And it is a comprehensive word. It means every, whatever, the whole. And it, is, it includes, first of all, says Paul, the visible. This is the observable, the capable of being seen. And, and you know, I thought of that. The things that we can see. The things that we can see have things that we cannot see. You can't see the soul, you can't see love, you, you, you can't see the air, you feel it. So even the things that we can see is a mystery, because it contains things we cannot see. We can do absolutely nothing about those things. So the visible then, what, 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 is, what is Paul saying? Paul is saying that Jesus Christ, whom he's saying is the center of existence for creatures, created the world and he made the world so that we could see a world that will tell us something about its creator. Let me tell you what kind of a visible universe we have. Dr. David Block, he became a, an astronomer and he became a part of the the, uh, British Astronomical Society at the age of 19. Doesn't that blow your mind? At 19, able to talk about the stars and the universe? He was giving a presentation about the design of the universe. And listen, listen to what he said. One slide he had on the screen showed a picture of 100 billion stars. 100 billion stars. Drawing attention to the mind-boggling magnificence of the universe with quantities that are interdependent. Dr. Block reminded his audience that if they were to count one star per second, they would have to be there for 2,500 years. What we can see Divisible, but listen listen to more psalm one hundred and forty-seven. He counts all the stars and he gives names to them. He counts them. Have you ever tried on a dark night to count the stars? You get to five. <laughs> then you start over again. I I, I didn't know that that uh, Mrs. Abigail was here. I, uh, I thought it was only mother. Welcome, Abigail. But think of that. Listen, when it says that God gave all the stars their names, you know what that is implying, friends? You can only name what you own. And when it says that God gave them all names, uh, it... It's going to be something when we get to heaven to hear God calling. I don't know what he names them. We have some physical name we give to some of them. But he names them all. And we continue to discover, we continue to discover, universes out there. Listen, Jesus made them. Jesus made them. They just didn't happen. And then Paul goes on to say, not only the visible, but the invisible. The invisible, that which we cannot see. And, and we're spending again billions and billions of dollars to see if we can somehow know if, if other worlds exist apart from our own. What's it, I think, if you want to, you want to go to the moon by uh, 2020, you can go for 10 million dollars. I I don't know if it's worth it. In 1968, when the Russian astronaut went up into outer space for a few minutes and he came back boasting he didn't see God, I looked and I didn't see God. Brennan McGee, in his wonderful way, said, You didn't go high enough. (laughs) (laughs) Because, friends, remember what we said about God? He is invisible. Only by knowing Jesus Christ can you know God, but the domain of God in the the things we cannot see. Please listen. The invisible world we cannot see is under the control of Christ in whom we believe. And and we concern ourselves with this. I wonder if there are beings out of space, if they're hostile or friendly. The Bible says... It doesn't matter, because if there are, they're under Jesus' control. The angels are under His control. In Hebrews chapter 1, God said, let all the angels worship Him. Not worship Michael or Gabriel, but Him. And in, in, in in the Trinity, Jesus Christ is the center of existence for the creation. All things were made by Him and through Him. He's not only the first cause, he's the agent by which they came into existence. And what we cannot see, what is out of, our, out of our sight, the world's out there, and there has to be worlds what you and I know nothing about. It says it. Invisible world. And that, that might frighten the living daylights out of us. And the Bible tells us In Ephesians chapter 2, that there exists in this universe, in the heavenlies, evil spirits, fallen angels. But ladies and gentlemen, let me suggest to you, we do not need to be intimidated by them. We were singing a few minutes ago, when he removed that stone from the grave, he was showing his triumph over them all. So I, I don't go to bed at night wondering... I wonder if they'll come tonight. I wonder if I'll be intimidated by fallen angels. Do you know the first fallen angel, you know what he had to do? He had to report his goings and comings to God. The devil walks about. We can't see him, but we know he exists. The Bible says that Jesus was confronted by him. And yet, he had to get permission to touch Peter. He had to get permission to touch Job because the invisible world is under the control of the sovereign Lord Jesus Christ. He holds the world together by the word of his power and he exercises authority over the invisible world. Let me quickly go to my last point, the scheme for creation. The scheme for creation. Listen to it again as we read verse 16. All things have been created through Him and for Him. The latter part of verse 16. For Him. If all things have been created for Him, then even creation has a purpose. Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 to 11 says this, God has exalted Jesus Christ out of the tomb so that in a day to come, Everything will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Things visible and things invisible. The whole scheme. Creation is not going this way. Creation is going that way. It is moving toward a goal. A finished goal. And the purpose for creation. The purpose that exists is that one day the very creation. It speaks right now. says Psalm 19.1. The heavens declare. Are telling the glory of God. And in a day to come, in the mind of God, it has already been settled. Every tongue will confess. All things created will say, Jesus is Lord. Men are fighting over whether he is or not today. There will be no question in that day. There will be no question. It will be done. Look Look at creation there are two means by which God tells us why creation exists. The creation of the universe. Romans chapter 1 verse 20. Let me read that for you. Romans 1 20. Listen to this. For the invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, has been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. The things that have been made, that we can see the visible, tells us of the character, the authority, and the power of the invisible God. We can't see him, but we know that he made the earth. And how did he make it? I just read that for you from uh, Romans 1. God made the universe so that within the universe, there are those elements that speak to those who will observe it and research it come to only one conclusion an intelligent mind is responsible for this an intelligent mind somebody said uh, <laughs> one of these days we'll develop robots that will be just like human they're trying right now friends they're trying isn't it interesting that nobody says that one of these days a stupid man will develop a robot that is just like human beings? Didn't say what are they saying? It takes an intelligent mind to produce an intelligent thing. It's not a dog that's going to produce an intelligent robot, it's a man. And if man can, can can form something that looks like human beings, why would God not be able to make something that is human being? See, We, we, we value so much what we are able to do. And then when we have it, it still doesn't satisfy us. So Stephen... Uh, um, Stephen Hawking, the, the recognized physicist of Cambridge, says this. He says, Scientists have been able, in a brief time of, of a history of time, scientists have been able to explain what and how of the universe. Now, the only thing scientists cannot do and have not been able to do is to figure out why. The Bible tells us why. Creation exists to glorify God. God could exist without creation because he did. But when he brought creation into existence, he brought it for a purpose. And then, and then, what is the goal? It is for him. And then Ephesians, uh, I'm sorry, Colossians 1.18 says this, that in all things he might have the preeminence. He made the creation in such a way that when we observe it and when we research it, we come to this conclusion. It was made by someone who owns it and it was made for him. For him. What does it mean it was made for him? It means that we cannot live a purposeful life until we know the reason for our creation. We can become as brilliant as we can As T.S. Eliot says, we keep on learning, but we keep on finding things to learn. And when we come to the person of Jesus Christ, we come to the one who brought us into existence. And ladies and gentlemen, if he does not have first place in our lives, we're living below the capacity for which we were created. In all things, in creation, and later on Paul is going to say, Jesus Christ is not only the head of creation, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And when anybody else tries to be, they're living below what God intends. St. Augustine, great theologians of another, theologian of another century, said this, Thou hast made us for thyself, and we are restless until we find our rest in thee. Thou hast made us for thyself, why are you, in fact, the speaker from what that we saw yesterday morning gave uh, an exercise, I'm not going to give it to you, gave an exercise to the group he was speaking to, and he said to them, take a deep breath, and they all took a breath for about 30 seconds. He said, now exhale, and then he said, do you know why you were able to breathe? It's because God gave you permission to breathe. And you know why you are alive? Because God gave you life. And God did not make you to just flounder in life. He made you with a purpose. Psalm 139 says that all things for you were written about you by God before you were even conceived. And so when we come into existence, when we are born, and then when we are born again, we come in contact with God's plan, and life takes on a brand new meaning. There are Christians who are living below what God intended, because they're living on the horizontal. But when you begin to live from the vertical, my friends, you begin to live for him. He has first place. He has the preeminence. He's the one who dictates our going and our coming, our giving and our withholding. And if we keep away, C.S. Lewis puts it one way in closing. He said, if you want to lose your love, keep it. If you want to experience your love, give it away. Think that through. If you want want to keep it, you keep it. It is for you alone. But when you give it, when you give it, that's when the release comes. Because the purpose of God is for you to live on earth to bring glory to God. And whenever we bring glory to God, we enhance the value of our own lives. That's, That's the wonder of why we know what we know who and may God's grace help us to know why let's pray thank you father that in this world where so much knowledge exists in this world where we are telling we're being told that there are alternatives this is what the Colossian church was facing. They were being told that Jesus is okay, but he's not, he's not the center. And God said, yes, he is. And help us to understand what Augustine meant when he said, thou hast made us for thyself, and we are restless until we find our rest in thee. May each one bowed in your presence this morning. Find that fulfillment not by living for themselves, but living for the glory of God. In Jesus' name.